0: Bye. Welcome to The Sound of the Loons, presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. I am Kendra D. St. Aubin with Minnesota United, and I am fortunate and privileged to be joined by defender DJ Taylor. I'm going to start calling you a renaissance man, even though I know you've been traditionally a a right back for Minnesota United, but I feel like you just stepped up in every single moment in time. Now you're a goal scorer, you're getting assists, and we're here to talk about mental health. Um, But some of that is related to mental health as an athlete, the ups and the downs, the trials and the tribulations. I mean, you weren't always the starting right back for Minnesota United in MLS, and you've had to work really hard to get where you're at and um, probably get through some difficult times. So thank you first and foremost for joining me here today for this very special Mental Health Awareness Podcast in the month of
1: May. Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Um, I know you've already done some videos with some of your teammates, um, which were phenomenal with Nico and Taniola was And I think that is a a really good moment and a really good watch for people. I should remind people MNUFC.com or on uh, Minnesota United's YouTube channels where you can still find those and where you can find this podcast as well. Once we uh, wrap it up, we're also going to be joined by a clinical psychologist and a leading mental health expert at Alina health, Dr. Megan Miller in the second segment. But I want to talk to you about your experience why this is important to you and why you feel like this is the moment or a a good moment to really get out on this platform and use your platform to promote mental health and what that means.
1: Yeah, I think for me, like mental health has has grown on me and the importance of it, Um, you know, from a personal level, also from a professional level, um, you know, from a professional standpoint, as I've reached each higher level of soccer, I've realized how much more important the mental health aspect of the game has become and how, the game is always evolving, so it's becoming even more important for you know young players coming through and players as they develop. As they develop, um, and for me, it's about how can I influence you know the future generations that are coming through and help the guys that you know are on my team or on other teams now. You know, because as a especially as a soccer player, it's tough. You know, as a professional, sometimes you're playing, sometimes you're not. Um, you're going through injuries. You're going through. You know, coach doesn't like me. Um, you you know, you question yourself as a, as a person, um, and you kind of get focused on just being machine and putting all this output and not really realizing what's, what's actually going inside of you, you know, the human side of yourself and, and how that's affecting you daily. Um, and then from a personal standpoint, you know, for me, it's, you know, I've been told before I'm super closed off. Um, and sometimes, you know, I've seen that, you know, create problems with my relationships with friends, family, you know, girlfriend, whoever I'm with. Um, And I think it's just super important to, you know, create conversations with people because I feel like there's a lot of people that struggle um, or maybe going through stuff and they don't know how to be vulnerable and create that vulnerable space or who to open with or who to contact for help. Um, So for me, it's about using my platform to help these other people because I definitely know, you know, when times when I've struggled, you know, even if I didn't reach out to someone, I knew I was struggling. I just didn't know what to do and what resources I had when in reality, you know, all I had to do was, you know, a phone call away from a friend or a psychologist or a therapist. Um, so it's for me, it's just being about being selfless and, and helping others. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest things I struggle with mentally um, is and is also I'm good at is changing my like perspective on things. Um, you know, that's kind of what I've been focusing on the last couple of years, and I think it's kind of helped me develop this mentality to get through anything that I'm struggling um, because I'm able to look at things from different perspectives and angles um, to try and get a learning, um, you know, tool out of it or, you know, growth out of it, making sure I'm growing through the trials and tribulations and not just letting them weigh me down through life.
0: Where did you gain these tools? How did you gain these tools? Did did you, is it from conversations with friends and family? Did you have a, a therapist or a psychologist or something along the way? How did you gain these tools?
1: Yeah, so there's a couple of things. Um, you know, I used to go to a therapist with my mom to talk about, you know, obviously me and her growing up together, me not having my dad. You know, I kind of resented her growing up because she didn't let me talk to my dad till I was 18. Um, so that was like my first experience with a therapist, and you know, it really helped. You know, I didn't realize it till years later down the road that it really helped, you know, mold our relationship back together. Um, and me realizing why she was not letting me talk to him and having a therapist, it was like, wow, like I didn't really notice it till later, but like that really helped me and really helped our relationship. And obviously, it's a relationship with my mom, so it's like that's the most important thing to me. Um, and then on top of that, you know, being at North Carolina, I had was blessed with having really good mentors. Um, You know, a team chaplain, Jonathan Van Horn, who works there at NCFC, um, you know, he baptized me, introduced me to the faith, and, you know, he always gave me that, you know, space to be vulnerable with him where, you know, he's not going to judge me no matter what I'm telling him, and I feel like that's one big thing that people struggle with is, like, they're afraid to reach out because they feel that people are going to judge them for their mistakes, and, you know, it's important for us to say, hey, it's okay, you know, to find someone that's not going to judge you, and... yeah. Luckily, I was blessed with, you know, having like Jonathan Van Horn and other mentors who helped me change that perspective when I was struggling. Um, You know, even, you know, them cheering me on for the three years I was at North Carolina knowing that, you know, North Carolina wasn't my final destination. I was going to play MLS or somewhere higher than USL because they believed in me and I knew I could play at that higher level. So luckily, I was blessed with having a tight group that I could really reside to. And I think that's the message I would give to other people is find that tight group that you can rely on. 24-7, 24-7, you know, judge-free zone, even if it's, you know, reaching out to a psychologist or therapist, you know, I even still am in touch with that same therapist. Sometimes, you know, when I mentally feel down, I'll reach out to him and, you know, we'll have a great conversation, even if we haven't talked in two years or something like that. Um, if I'm struggling with something, it's a great space for me to open up and I know he's not going to judge me and he just gives me good feedback, you know, from an actual professional therapist standpoint. But, that's kind of how, you know, I've been blessed, I guess, in a sense, with having those people at home. But, you know, even now coming to Minneapolis, it's like, okay, now I have to create a whole new support system. You know, and luckily I've been able to reside in my teammates and guys like, you know, Ja'Cory Hayes and Nico and Dane and Sonny. And, you know, being able to connect with those guys, not just on the field, but off the field, has been incredible. Um, and it allows us to grow as as human beings as well.
0: You have a clothing brand called Break the Stigma. And I know that we'll see a, a pretty awesome t-shirt here shortly um, from Dr. Miller. But what does that phrase mean to you? And how t- does one go about doing that? Because a lot of things in life are easier said than done. And, you know, it's the practice, what you preach and all that kind of thing. How did you come up with that? And what does that mean? And how does one go about doing it?
1: Yeah, so Break the Stigma for me was... Was kind of tailored towards athletes but i think it also is for anyone in general but for athletes specifically it was about breaking the stigma that you know we're kind of just machines and you know we do whatever we can to reach this goal no matter what the cost and at the end of the day it's about breaking the stigma that you know we are like we are human beings we can still open up about our feelings about what we're struggling with and we do have feelings outside of you know what people see just us and being these top superstars on the weekend. Um, you know, people don't see the day-to-day trainings and stuff that we go through, you know, and the mental battles we go through. You know, some days we wake up, we're tired, but our profession is you have to push yourself 110%. Um, so it's about creating those conversations and letting other athletes know, you know, whether it's college, professional, kids growing up that want to be athletes, that it's okay to admit how you're feeling regardless of, you know, how you're playing, what you're going through, let's create those conversations for those people that are afraid to speak, um, and how can I use my platform to help those people that, you know, are afraid to maybe speak up, and, you know, can I can really resonate with these people that, you know, are also struggling, and I may not even know them, so, you know, Break the stigma is all about just creating that conversation, and having that vulnerable space for people, especially uh, athletes that, you know, their feelings matter, what they're what they're going through mentally spiritually all that matters you know it's not just about how good they're playing on the soccer field
0: have you noticed a shift and a change and some progress in the way mental health is viewed in the last five ten years have you noticed a change
1: yeah i think it's definitely growing a lot um you know even me like taking the first step of you know using my platform for mental health i've never done as much as i have this year than i have ever in my whole career um so it's just been exciting for me it's been an exciting journey it's It's incredible to even have conversations like we did with Nico and tanny um you know because just in that conversation i learned you know a ton about them that you know we don't ever really talk about when we're at the facility or you know playing soccer um so it just brought us all together and yeah i think mental health is is growing and i'm super excited uh for us to be able to create you know and change those standards and create those spaces for the next generation of athletes who are going to come through and uh you know i've always said this before you know creating a better you know, footstep for them as they step through our shoes.
0: Well, I thank you for being so open and honest. And I love these kind of conversations. And I'm sure, as you just stated, I'm chatting with Nico and Tani as well. And as we said, you can find that on MNUFC.com and the YouTube channel, because I think that's one that's worth seeing um, for anybody that listens to this podcast and has the opportunity to, to watch that as well, because it's so important, especially in these times. It's always has been, but now it's a point of conversation. It's a point of emphasis and it's, Um, hopefully real progress is being made. So I appreciate your time. And I know you're on a busy week and a busy month. So we appreciate you taking the time.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me.
0: All right, well, next up, we're going to be joined by mental health expert, the leading mental health expert from Alina Health and a clinical psychologist, Dr. Megan Miller. So stay tuned right here on Sound of the Loons. When injury takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers. With convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team, you are always close to the care you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. All right, well, DJ, thank you so much for that nice conversation we had about mental health and breaking the stigma. And we're very fortunate and lucky and privileged to be joined by Dr. Megan Miller of Alina to really have an open conversation and discussion about mental health being May and being mental health awareness and how that affects all of our lives, not just in sports, but why sports is sort of a great avenue to have that discussion and how that can carry into our regular everyday lives as adults, as children, um, and all those steps along the way. So Dr. Megan Miller, First of all, thank you so much for joining us here today. Yeah, super happy to be here. Um, And you're sporting the Break the Stigma t-shirt, so that's awesome. Um, And and I had the opportunity before um, DJ joined us in the room to talk to Dr. Miller about what this means. What does mental health mean? How does it kind of articulate itself in our lives? And Dr. Miller, specifically, we were just discussing this, but how have you seen the stigma, the mentality, the the whole concept of mental health? We feel like we're making strides with the progress and the conversations that have been made, but at the same time, we're still a little stagnant. What have you seen from your profession?
2: Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that we still notice. I mean, the stigma is still very real, unfortunately. You know, we still see... Uh, certain kind of groups or populations of people have a hard time reaching out. And so a lot of times that might um, be with men or even with athletes. There seems to be this association with addressing your mental health and weakness and anything we can do to dispel that um, as, as a truth is a good thing. So these conversations are really important to remind people that reaching out for help is actually a sign of strength and not a sign of weakness I think the other thing that we really tried to advocate for is mental health is not simply the absence of symptoms of depression or symptoms of anxiety. People who um, may not have a mental health disorder can still care for their mental health and it's still important to care for your mental health because it's very closely linked and we see in research after research how that can impact your physical health, your overall well-being, just your ability to just kind of flourish as a human. And so we, we try to spread that very broad message of this is for everybody, not just if you have a mental health disorder. When you stated that
0: you started out with more of a child psychology background and that you wanted to be interested and in, in get into the field of sports psychology, but it wasn't much of a thing here in the state of Minnesota. And has that made any strides and what kind of uh, progress have you seen on that front here in the state of Minnesota?
2: Yeah, it definitely. I think we're, we're seeing movement um, because I think a lot of people are noticing that athletics are a common ground for a lot of people, both who participate, who kind of watch the sports, see the sports, know of the sports. And I think, you know, just having the opportunity to to work with players like DJ to spread awareness, it's an excellent platform to begin the conversation. And the more that we see players engage their own mental health, the more you start to see young kids engage their mental health and care for their mental health, and then parents start to come around. And now it doesn't become so taboo to talk about. And so, you know, you see a lot of sports teams bringing on psychologists onto their teams, um, and you even start to see that now in youth and different camps engaging psychologists to work on different skills that definitely help them in the sport as well.
0: DJ, when did it become a thing for you, like a point of emphasis, for you and as we're talking about sort of the stigma behind it not just as an individual but maybe as a child or growing up what was your family like and the support or where did you find it from and when did it become sort of a, a topic for you
1: um, I think well one thing was just seeing my mom you know being a single mother just and her growing up um, just seeing all that she did was incredible luckily I was blessed with that kind of go-getter mentality from her but I still knew like even though I'm so good at these things there's still things that you know I was afraid to admit that I was struggling with or even talk about and most of the time it's you know I could always help other people but I couldn't take my own advice for myself so like that's a problem there um, and I think that's, like, the first biggest step is just admitting that, you know, there is something that you're struggling with. But, yeah, growing up, I mean, I even struggled. I mean, obviously, with without having a dad, it was pretty tough. And I used to, like, let my anger out with my mom. Um, funny story is, like, one time she picked up from daycare, and I was just upset because my dad said he would come pick me up, and he didn't. Um, so and so I, like, locked myself in the car, and she can't get to me. So, like, she always tells me about that. Um, and that's kind of... Maybe one thing from my childhood that stuck with me whenever we talk about it. And so obviously it affected me mentally and emotionally as a kid. And then with soccer, just as I kept growing up, I just seeing how more important your mentality is as you're going through the ups and downs of sport, but also also through life.
0: When you specifically use the word struggle, mm-hmm. and, and I want to ask you this, Dr. Miller, the same, because I feel like even sometimes people hear that word and they feel like there is a negative connotation to it, or a weakness associated mm-hmm. with the word struggle. Yeah. How do you break that stigma, or what can you? How can you almost rephrase it so some people that that struggle with that word mm-hmm. find a way to be open to the idea that look, I need to be communicating with someone, I need to be sharing my feelings, I need to be getting help, whatever form that might come in. How do you? How did you find that?
1: Yeah, I think it was just. You know, sometimes you don't even recognize it. You know, like, most of the time, I was just so busy. I didn't even have time to really dissect my personal side of my life. You know, before coming to MLS, I was coaching and playing. So, you know, I was working 8 to 5, essentially, and had two hours at home, and that was it. And so it is, like, once I came here, obviously, to MLS, you know, I don't have to work two jobs. I have six, seven hours of the day where I'm just sitting at home, and that's when my mind starts going off. And I really deal with things that I kind of just tucked in Um, and thought I was, you know, doing something amazing because I was working so much, but in reality, I need to find that balance between work and how I really feel. So yeah, I think another, I don't know how to describe struggle. Maybe it would be like, I don't even know, imperfection maybe, because, you know, everybody strives to be perfectionist and be perfect in every sense, but it's okay to be imperfect, and I think that's a big point that people miss, is like, it's okay to have one, two things that you struggle, or not struggle, that you uh, deal with, I guess, in a sense. It's just figuring out, how do I navigate that part of my life so that what is a process I can create to help deal with both sides of it, you know, whether it's negative or positive and really taking a look at myself and, and seeing myself as a human too because sometimes I even just see myself as an athlete who's a robot who just goes through whatever to reach a goal, um, but in personal life it doesn't work like that with relationships with people, it's the complete opposite. There are times where you have to just slow down and, and dissect what you're both feeling or whatever you're feeling um so it's all about finding that balance for me
0: and dr miller what what would you say that you've maybe experienced in your time being the mental health expert at of health how have you seen things and and people cope with different challenges struggles and and really even challenging themselves to come to
2: terms with the word struggle yeah well i think i think life is a struggle i think some days are hard and sometimes we have A couple days that are hard and so I think part of it is not really to be afraid of that experience. Adversity a lot of times is what does build character when we look back on you know all of our life stories it's some of those harder moments that we realize the best lesson came from and so You know, I don't know that we have to be afraid of the struggle, but we do, to your point, DJ, need to be very aware of the struggle. And it's when we lose that awareness and we get into just the hustle and bustle of the day and we stop checking in with ourselves, that if something kind of abruptly stops, that can catch up to you really quick. Or your body and your mind will catch up to you without awareness or permission. And so a lot of times what you'll see happen is all of a sudden people's functioning start to come down a little bit. It gets a little bit harder each day to get up and go to work. It gets a little bit harder to, you know, quiet your mind. Sleep might start being impacted, appetite, all of that. And when that starts to happen more days than not, and and the day-to-day is getting really hard, it's probably time to ask for some help at that point. But also just to recognize part of the human experience is to have an ebb and flow of your emotions and to expect that we're going to experience joy and happiness at all time isn't realistic. You know, I do think a lot of people strive for perfectionism and I will play this podcast for my children who who need to hear from athletes. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes in sport and personal life. That's where we learn. That's how we grow.
0: When you talk about, um, And we talk about people feeling like it's a weakness when you have struggles mentally and getting over that stigma and over that hurdle. And I heard a really profound comment one day recently, it was on one of the morning shows after there was a recent um, person that had taken their own life. And it was like, we have to remember to check on our strong friends. We can't always just assume it's the people that we feel or we can see not doing well. You know, how do you How do you, in your daily lives, check on people around you or make, what are some of your daily practices, not just for yourself, but for others to reach out? How do you accomplish that?
1: Yeah, I think one thing for me, like, personally, is just reaching out to family, friends, just doing, like, random FaceTimes or stuff like that, Um, making sure I make time to, like, talk to my little brother, but I think I definitely agree with that, like, checking on your strong friends, which, obviously, like, if you consider yourself, like, the stronger friend in your group, it's even checking on yourself mm-hmm. but i think definitely yeah it's always just everyone's a phone call away you don't know what they're going through and, and it's also then once you do check on your strong friends can you actually have a deep conversation you know because i personally am kind of closed off and so like people call me I'm like yeah i'm good just super busy mm-hmm. but in reality it's like yeah like i'm actually super tired like i'm doing all this stuff uh mentally it's been draining like how do you break that barrier of always just saying oh i'm good i'm super busy uh and actually say how you really feel on a deeper level because you know you want to connect with your friends like that and you're going to feel better after that and they're going to feel better after that.
2: Yeah, I would agree. I think there's a lot to be said in modeling, you know, so Minnesota nice is a very real thing. How are you? I'm good. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's just, Mm -hmm. it's just what we say almost without even noticing it, you know? And so I think one commitment people can make for themselves is to answer that question honestly and be a little vulnerable to say, you know what, I'm not so good today. Um, And I think in that practice, then other people start to realize for themselves, like, oh, nothing horrible happened when that person answered that question, honestly. You know, vulnerability is best in kind of the circle of trust, right? So if you kind of find yourself with your people that you're closest with, that's the time to take a chance and, you know, kind of go out there. In terms of checking on your strong friends, I'm all about repetition. I say just keep asking and keep asking and keep asking. And for the first 10 times, you might not get an honest answer, but on the 11th time, you might. And it's for a lot of people, just knowing that someone's going to ask is the most important part. And then they, they start to think about opening up.
0: And you talk about the vulnerability that you can sometimes have or or more likely to have in inner circles or with family or with close friends. But as a clinical psychologist, you may often be times be dealing with someone that walks into your office that you have never met before. Is there something to be said with an openness when you are dealing with someone that doesn't have familiarity with someone in your group? Do you find that in your in your job that sometimes people are might be more open with you initially?
2: Yeah, I mean, for some people, that confidentiality piece that having this defined space, to be vulnerable and speak openly about it is part of what works for them and and if and if that's you that's great and embrace it you know I always I kind of joke that everybody needs a good lawyer a good mechanic and a good therapist in their back pocket because we all could use that support at any given time now in the situation we're in right now where a lot of people are struggling access to that kind of support can be hard you know but there's lots of different places that you can reach out you can reach out with your doctor, you can insurance company, people can connect you somewhere with somebody you can help. But it's, it's very effective for some people. And that feels like the safer place for some people. And, you know, therapists are trained on building that rapport and building that trust quickly so that it doesn't feel so intimidating.
0: DJ, what does it mean for you to have these kind of platforms now to be able to communicate these kinds of messages so people know that there shouldn't be a stigma about mental health? And we talk about it in May because it's mental health awareness, but at the same time, we know it should be something that's discussed every day, every week, conversation, topic, top of mind. What does it mean for you to be able to have this platform?
1: Yeah, I think I'm just super grateful, obviously. Um, I think it's also kind of this responsibility with... Having the opportunity to have that platform, you know, we need to take advantage of it as top athletes to speak for the people that can't speak or who may be afraid to speak. Um, so with that, it's just how much, how many people can I touch and influence, you know, even if it's, it's always reminding myself, too, that I'm chipping at a wall. So it's like doing small things to, to help people and help people grow, help myself grow, rather than trying to do something big 24-7 because um, that's what's going to speak with people the most and then you know one of the other things for me is just taking advantage of being vulnerable on social media even um, I've been trying to do that this last couple months like just being realistic with my captions and stuff that I'm posting so kind of create that vulnerable space for you know people I may not even know that follow me um, and where it may touch them to you know even speak on their mental health um, and so you know sometimes it's good to see even people you know message me that I don't know they're like hey, thanks for speaking on this, like, I've been going through this, or something like that, so I think it's just all about, you know, putting people, also, like, for the future people who are going to come through, putting them in a better spot than I was coming to reach this platform, so if we can put these kids that are growing up and going to be athletes, and, you know, non-athletes as well, um, in better positions to take on the world, then let's do it.
0: And what does it mean for you, Dr. Miller, to have a, a person that has a platform to be able to speak on it, as we're talking specifically about DJ and being an athlete, but how that can affect anybody's life, even if you're not an athlete? What does that mean when you have people speaking out with that kind of a platform to really
2: elevate the, the issue that you are so focused on? Yeah, uh, I'm very excited. <laughs> um, I can't emphasize enough how important it is, um, you know, and I can speak both as, as a psychologist, but also as a parent and, and just knowing the reality that sometimes having the admired athlete send the same message that you're trying to send either as a therapist or as a parent. um, Sometimes it just carries different weight and it casts a wider net and it is both a responsibility and a point of gratitude. I agree completely because that's also sometimes heavy to carry when you're kind of in your own process. And so I am forever grateful for kind of all athletes um, and DJ taking it to the next level and even having a business centered around this topic. Um, It just opens permission for people. And I think we are seeing a shift in the younger generation. You're seeing a lot of parenting starting to shift that, brings an openness to talking about emotions, naming emotions, you're seeing it come into coaching. It's just, there's a level of permission that it gives when we see the role models in the world um, speak to such an important topic.
0: So I don't know if I want to touch this with a 10-foot pole, but at the same time, like what kind of role do you think positively in or negatively has social media played on mental health? For you personally, and then obviously you as a clinical psychologist, what what how have you seen that change? Because, I mean, it can really go both ways where you can reach out and touch a lot of people in a positive way, but at the same time, it's like all these people with no real faces and names mm. that can just, you know, we talk about it with, in youth and kids and athletes, and it, it doesn't even matter anymore. How, how have you seen that, DJ, as you've grown up?
1: Yeah, for me, it's kind of like always looking at it as almost even like a, a double-edged sword. But it's all about perspective for me. So like how you view social media is going to be you know how it plays a part in your life so you know i think it is bad if you're just looking at people going on all these vacations traveling have all this money but if you want to see it you're going to see it like that but if you're you know you still see it but you're conscious about hey this is not real life you know i'm living my own life um and there's much more to life than posting on instagram or whatever it is um then i think that's that's what people need to focus on is just changing that perspective um and looking at the bigger picture um, but like I said, it, it can go both ways, you know, people start comparing themselves and get upset with their imperfections cause they think all these other people are perfect when in reality it's, it's the other way around, you know? So yeah, like I said, I think it's just about perspective and, and making sure that you're keeping aware of how you're posting and how you're looking at social media and reminding yourself, you know, even if it's mentally every day that, Hey, I'm living my own life. I'm living my best life. Um, you know, what you see is not completely real. So
2: Yeah. I, I'm glad you touched it with a 10-foot pole <laughs> <laughs> it's very real. Uh, so much so that in the Surgeon General's advisory on children's mental health, social media platforms are called out specifically as having a particular responsibility and contributing in a healthy way. To children's mental health, I think we've absolutely seen the impact in a, in a negative way for uh, kids and adolescents on, you know, for, I heard a statistic the other day that um, the average adolescent girl takes 100 selfies before she'll post one on Instagram. And, and that's just heavy, right? Because we know the internal process that's happening in, as those selfies are being taken. However, you know, there's a tension with social media because it can also deliver really important messages in a very kind of vast way that, Uh, can educate people that might not otherwise be educated or gain access to important messages that might not otherwise be out there. So I think really social media comes down to educating people on how to use it, having boundaries yourself with social media. I always give parents the utmost permission to observe how your children are using social media. That is not an invasion of privacy. And if you set those rules up from the get-go, you can have a healthy relationship with your child and they can have a healthy relationship with social media. And so I think it really comes down like you said, to that balance and an understanding and really deep education of what you see on social media is not necessarily truth. And I could go on for days.
0: <laughs> so I'm going to I know there. it's a whole other, I mean, I, I had a conversation with some college students yesterday and I was like, man, I'm old. Like, you know what I mean? I was like, I, you know, I was in college at a time where there wasn't cell phones. So like the whole concept of social media and what these young people have to deal with these days is like just a whole nother level um, of craziness. So I think everybody appreciates any conversations, real conversations around it of people who've either experienced it or how to deal with it or whatever that might be, because I think it's a very real thing. I mean, all the schools send out information these days on how to talk to your kids and and deal with different things. So, we always appreciate any honest conversation from, of course, an expert like yourself, Dr. Miller, and DJ, someone who's experienced it firsthand and tried to kind of navigate that, weather that storm. So, if you had any parting message that you wanted to put out there and something that has maybe stuck with you, a lesson, a quote, something in your life that really has stuck with you, DJ, Um, That might be top of mind, specifically during May, as we've talked about mental health awareness, but also just in general that you sort of, you know, you live by and you remember Mm -hmm. in those times that might be hard. Do you have one And, and the Dr. Miller Oscar the same?
1: I don't know if I have a specific quote, but the main person I love to watch and love all his quotes is Inky Johnson. Um, you know, I can watch his talks for days. Um, you know, I constantly like to look at one of his messages at least once a day when I wake up. Usually it's one of my captions on Instagram that helps people. Um, but the main thing for me is, is perspective. Um, you know, one thing my mom told me was like, she's like, you always give good perspective and have a good perspective on different outlooks. And I feel like that's, you know, one of the biggest things that helped me reach to be able to play and do what I do. So I think it's all about changing your perspective, no matter what situation you're in, whether you're up or you're down. How do you change your perspective so that you're still learning through whatever you're going through and still becoming a better person? You know, even if becoming a better person involves you being vulnerable, admitting that you're struggling or going through something. That's the main thing I try to focus on and try to preach to other people is, hey, yeah, you're in this situation, but you're only seeing it through this This set of lenses, how can you look through it from this set of lens or this set of lens? And usually, you know, after I have conversations with close friends, they're like, hey, that kind of helped me, you know, see this as somewhere where I can still grow and and still learn. So, yeah, I'm trying to think of one uh, one of his quotes right now. I think it was something like it's kind of more sports orientated but it was something about like can you be committed to uh the process without being emotionally attached to the results mm-hmm. something it's something mm-hmm. along those mm-hmm. lines um it's and that's, just true
0: for any form of life and not just sports right yeah mm-hmm.
1: so like that's one of the biggest things for me that i really you know re- really resonate with me and i really like to say to other people because it allows you to do, you know for example in soccer if you're not playing focus on the process of developing even though you're not playing so that when you do play you're ready Um, And in life, you know, it's about developing yourself as a human being and then to reach that full potential of yourself that, you know, maybe you're limiting yourself to, you know, I've even done to myself sometimes limit myself to I'm only this good enough when reality I can really push to reach even more potential. I feel like there's always more to people that they can reach if they're more vulnerable with themselves. You know, they have so much more potential to be more than and what they're limiting themselves to. But yeah, I think that's one of my favorite quotes for sure.
0: You have one, Dr. Miller? Or, uh, that might be
2: my new one. <laughs> yeah, I know, I like that one. Do you have anything that sticks out in your mind? Uh, what I really sit with is, you know, I dream of the day when we just as a community accept that mental health is health, that, it, that it's intertwined with physical health and both need to be attended to and treated um, if something's not going the way that we had hoped. And so, you know, that's kind of what I hope for the next generation is that it, it becomes something that's not that doesn't have a need to be so called out because it feels so different. Um, and instead, it, it is just a part of who we are because that, that is. It is a part of who we are. Our emotions are a part of our experience and a part of how we express ourselves as a human. And so it's not so much a quote, but you know, maybe a vision.
0: Well, and I think, I remember when I first heard the line, it's okay to not be okay. Mm -hmm. I think that resonates in the sense it's a very simple, everyone has heard it, but at the same time, and I think sometimes when people think it's okay to not be okay, that it has to be not okay on some like catastrophic Mm -hmm. level, as opposed just like in a daily basis and some of these grinds that we all Mm -hmm. go through and everybody has something that they're dealing with big small and other mm-hmm. and just you know the the whole concept of like building each other up and supporting each other and it could be some somebody you don't even know that's walking down the street you know just checking in with people and i mm-hmm. so i've always liked that very simple easy to remember line and sometimes mm-hmm. it resonates with smaller children because it's just it's very simple to understand what you're trying to accomplish and what you're trying to say so mm-hmm. First of all, thank you so much, Dr. Miller, for joining us. Um, it's been fantastic having you here for this discussion. And DJ, appreciate you once again joining us for another discussion mm-hmm. on a very important topic. And and hopefully um, down the line, we won't always have to have special podcasts. It could just be top of mind for everybody mm-hmm. going forward here. So thank you both for, for joining me here today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. All right. So I've got to do this read here. Otherwise I'm going to butcher it and I'm not Callum Williams. So we got to make sure we do this correctly here. But um, once again, thank you so much for joining us on Sound of the Loons, as podcast, and it's presented to you by Alina Health Orthopedics.